0: you think i'm al i'm c and today we're reviewing alex garland's men so uh c uh we saw this yesterday and uh we were i would say you were probably more hyped in it than me would that be a fair assessment
1: that would be correct al i definitely was more hyped i've been a i've been quite a uh a big fan of alex garland not to suggest that you haven't enjoyed his work but i really uh I really liked the fact that he's he's just one of those writers that has truly uh, moved into the directing world successfully. And I, I always appreciate when that happens.
0: Yeah, um, I i got to say, I uh, i think my favorite work of his was Devs and purely for the for the fact that he made Nick Offerman have one of the best performances of his career. Um I I also gotta say, like I've never written any uh, written (laughs) I've never (laughs) Freuden slip right there. I have never read any of his novels, but I know that he was working a lot with uh, with Danny Boyle. He was like the writer of of Twenty Eight Days Later. I believe he also wrote the sequel, Twenty Eight Weeks Later, Um, and he also wrote The Beach, which people forget. Ooh, yeah. uh, We don't talk about that. But he also wrote *Sunshine*, which a lot of people love to point out. Mm-hmm. Like that's very true. That's always like the uh, the unexpected answer when someone says when someone asks, "What's your favorite Danny Boyle film?" And like uh, uh, *Sunshine* always seems to be that like, "Oh, I love *Sunshine*" type of deal. No, yeah,
1: it really does. And we can talk about all that on another on another uh, episode. But for me, I would say that um, Alex Scarlett, my favorite work of his is the work he contributed towards 28 Days Later. I think it's a, a, crud- a truly incredible uh, concept and script for a zombie film. Um, but I think my favorite film of his has probably got to be... Uh, I gotta go with Annihilation for my favorite directorial film of his. It's just so out there, but you just you're you're along for the ride the whole time. It's got a great through line, and there are moments that are genuinely terrifying.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's interesting that um, after Ex Machina, which was his uh, directing debut, he's kind of stuck to the realm of horror. Well, he's only made two other films and a TV show. But his other two films have both been horror films, and I find that interesting because uh, I would say most people know him primarily as a sci-fi storyteller. Yeah. So it's interesting that uh, Annihilation, while still sci-fi, was definitely a horror film. And Men, while I think it's hard to pinpoint it on a genre, you can at least say this has horror film elements.
1: Yeah. Well, I would actually say that... With each film, he goes more and more into the horror genre. Like, Ex Machina, yeah, it didn't really have horror elements, but there was sort of a thriller aspect to it in its own way, at least mentally. And then Ex Machina, or, and then Annihilation, not total, thr- not total horror, but had some genuine horror moments. And then this was, yeah, this is trying to be a horror film, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, no. I, again, it's one of those interesting things that, like, I, I wonder what his what his next project's gonna be. I know we're not even we haven't started talking about his newest project, but I, <laughs> I wonder. I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that after this, he'll he'll probably. I, I mean, I would think that after making two very interesting horror films, he would you know try to venture out maybe maybe into something else, some other genre. Like, I don't expect him to make a comedy, but. Like maybe he, he works on a bio or not a biopic, like a historical pic or, or maybe a drama or something, or maybe he just really likes working in this genre of science fiction and horror, which I hey, would, is, I would is, love
1: to see an Alex Garland, uh, historic epic.
0: That would be pretty cool. And that would be really, really cool. Um, so yeah, no men, actually, since we saw this yesterday, we had such a, <laughs> so I, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people always bemoan having a a interactive audience or an audience that engages with the work with like (laughs) shivers or like you hear the groans, you hear the, you hear the, the, the laughter, all this stuff. And that was kind of our experience was that the, the audience was very reactive towards what they were seeing on the screen, and, it- and that, that, to be
1: clear, I have to bring this up. That wasn't just in the movie too. There was a really so for those. Everyone knows that if you go to an AMC theater, you before the movie starts, you're greeted by Nicole Kidman telling you about why AMC movies make why AMC makes movies better. Everyone has figured this out, I'm sure. Um, For some reason, many of these audience members, when she came on screen, very sarcastically and sardonically clapped, and it was the greatest part. That's that's when I
0: knew that this was going to be a fun audience to watch the movie with. And, like, again, throughout the entire place, you know... (laughs) A lot of the stuff they saw on screen, they were either like going like, oh, no, or, oh, what the fuck, or, or you know, it was a lot of fun. I, I got to say, like, I enjoyed the audience we watched it with.
1: I also have to point out that not the person next to me, but one more over, so two people away from me, I just heard this very uh feminine guy go, there's no other way to describe them. He was just a very feminine dude. And he just went, I fucking hate this movie.
0: And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so funny. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't, how, how would I say this? Let's Let's watch the trailer, and then we'll talk about why I think, or I can understand why he would say, oh, I hate this movie.
1: Yeah, let's watch it.
0: Mrs. Marlowe, yes. Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say It's a beautiful be simple, house. But Will it just be you staying? Or... excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No? no. Until you give your love. There's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Y- yeah, it was delicious. No 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh. God,
1: sorry, I, I. I I'm joking. I oh. Uh. You're tormented.
0: It feels more like haunted. Yeah. Something happened.
1: My husband went upstairs. To our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why well, I didn't drive him to it.
0: I think it be true that if you had given him the chance to apologize, he'd still be alive.
1: What? A man. He followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me.
0: What makes you say that?
1: I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Well, play a game? You hide, I'll see.
0: You must feel an awful sense. guilt. Stay away from me. are you Love all right uh <laughs> that that trailer was uh was a bit intense wouldn't you say
1: it really was and here's the thing you can't even say that like the trailer's misleading it's just the movie is that out there so it's just kind of funny how you know, even though we were surprised by the direction the movie went, having watched the trailer again, it's like, well, no, it's the trailer wasn't lying to us. We just didn't expect certain things to go the way they went.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I, I'll let you start off, see, but... Um, so, how did, how did the actual film compare with, with what you were expecting it to be? So, to be honest, I guess for
1: some reason... Right off the bat, the film was slower than I expected it to be, which is fine that I don't mind a film being slow, but that's just like, that was the initial thing I noticed. It was like, I kind of expected things to pick up shortly after she arrived at the house, and I'm like, oh, they're really not. They're really, this is more of a slow burn film. So once I accepted that, I was like, that was my, I was, I was still trying to get into it. Um, but I think one thing I noticed is, I guess the main thing was that this film had a lot of symbolism in it and I really was almost taken aback by how how far Alex Garland was willing to push that. That that really was one of the main things. It's like like there were there was literal terror of course in the movie, but there was just so much both In the dialogue in the imagery and in the action symbolism packed into this damn film and that was the once we got past the pacing that was just such a huge shock as well I was like okay so and then I guess once you finally get past those two things you realize okay this movie has a message and it's being very clear about its message and guess what the the title is part of that message at
0: the end of the day, I, I I honestly would say it's no big surprise that you know the 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 movie has something to say about men, uh, men of the human race. You know, <laughs> men in society. You know, I think, I think that's pretty clear. I think even the trailer makes that super clear that this is what that movie's about. Um, I, I kind of, and I'm you know I'm thinking out loud. I I wonder if, you know. The marketing department was thinking to themselves, like, okay, we don't want people to walk in and being like, oh, that message was unexpected. You know, and I think they they definitely were like, anyone who's willing to hear this message and you know think about it and not be turned off by it, that's kind of the audience we want. I mean, and already if it's a twenty, you know, a twenty four is known for being weird or for yeah, for, they, for distributing weird stuff. They and they
1: they've established this corner in the universe.
0: So, yeah, you know, doing the whole, like, this is a 24 and, you know, this, th- this is a movie that has to, that says something about men, men in society and stuff like that. I, I definitely feel like, like the marketing on this movie really pushed, pushes that back forward mm-hmm. um, in terms of the actual film itself. So believe it or not, this is not a long film. It's only a uh, hundred minutes long. Really? Yeah. Only a hundred minutes. I guess it's because uh.
1: of the pacing, but it and this isn't necessarily like a thing I hated about the movie, but it does feel longer. I have to admit.
0: I mean, yeah, you, you do that when there's not a lot of talking or when, you know, a character isn't doing a lot like in, in the physical sense, like mm-hmm. they're not moving a lot. The camera's not moving a lot. It, it Like like people forget that camera movement uh, blocking. And dialogue or that la- or lack thereof mm-hmm. really really can affect your perception of time while watching a film mm-hmm. like, like it really does. And I, I gotta say um, you know ex machina I enjoyed annihilation terrified me and mm-hmm. I you know and it, and it definitely delved into the element of the surreal uh, men and, and devs, of course, devs was pretty straightforward actually. Um, but men uh is definitely definitely his most surrealist film yeah it's definitely his most symbolic film Mm -hmm. and i gotta say it's definitely the most uh dream logic heavy film i've seen in a while yeah um uh, even including uh, david lynch because david lynch hasn't really made a movie in a long time Mm
1: -hmm. um I like what you, uh, and and uh, forgive me if you were going to mention this later on, but you said something that really summarized like a way to gauge if someone's going to like this movie, and it was so simple. You just said, "Do you like Cronenberg?" Like that—that's a good way to summarize. And you said that, and that's a very good summary of how to gauge people's interests.
0: Hmm. Uh, wait, I think you said. Did you say Cronenberg? Oh, I'm. F- well, actually, you're kind of right there as well. Mm, it, well. It, what what did you really say, Al? D- David Lynch. <laughs>
1: no, yeah, you you meant David Lynch, but, but you I'm know not what? Wrong you would... in my mistake.
0: No, no, you're not wrong. You can include Cronenberg in there if you want, um, but anyway, uh, so <laughs> actually, sorry, folks, really...
1: it's a, it's a little early. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, but still, no, it, it's actually really really funny. Um, but what I was going to say is that you know. And again, these reviews are always kind of biased over our perspectives and our philosophies in regards of, like, what constitutes good storytelling. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I I was never a big, big fan of surrealism and dream logic replacing... uh, Uh, competent, saying competent narrative would imply that this narrative is incompetent. Mm -hmm. I I am not a, I have never been a big fan of surrealism and dream logic replacing um, conventional narrative. I've never been a fan of that. You know, even though I like some of David Lynch's work, who would be the director who does this the most. Mm -hmm. uh, I like some of his work. You know, he's not one of my favorite directors out there. And you know, and again, it has a lot to do with that, that when I watch something, I at least want to be able to know like, oh, this is what happened. These were the character motivations and these, this plot is what led to this change with this, uh, with this, uh, character and circling back to men. Um, the first two acts of men are very narratively straightforward, I would say. You know, there are some questions and you would expect, like, I'm not going to get all my questions answered, but I'm at least going to understand what is this trial and tribulation that the character, the character played by uh, Jesse Buckley is going through. Right. Mm -hmm. And what is her conflict with these multiple characters, uh, these multiple male characters all played by the same actor, Roy Kinnear. Mm -hmm. And then the third act happens. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, like on a on a gut level, I I kind of do enjoy going, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, without getting into spoilers, ultimately, the film delves into a sort of dream logic where things just kind of happen and they're not explained. And the way Jesse Buckley's character interacts with these events. kind of don't make sense and you're just kind of left confused over over what was the climax exactly was it literal or was it metaphorical and then you know at the end you just think to yourself well I I, I really don't know what was the motivation of the characters played by Rourke near you don't understand what character growth, Jesse Buckley's character went through. Um, you're just kind of thinking to yourself, like, I I feel like I was told a pretty straightforward story and then someone just started throwing like crazy, crazy images or crazy descriptions in my face. And I'm just wondering like, so, so did she ever get through this? Did she ever overcome her, overcome her trial? Like, like, and by trial, I mean, you know, like did she overcome the thing that was emotionally conflicting within her? Like, you get none of these answers, right? You're just shown crazy shit on the screen. Mm -hmm. And on, on a, on a metaphorical level, you at least go like, okay, well, this represents that, that represents this, but you're not being fed a resolution. That, there we go. You're not fed a resolution to the story. You're, you're fed the message the movie's trying to convey or like Mm -hmm. the lesson is trying to teach you. And here's the thing. I'm fine being given a lesson. I'm fine with that. You know, art, uh, artists, you know, if they choose to use their art to give a point of view, that's totally a valid thing an artist can do. But when you're telling a story, right, the message shouldn't be the first thing. It shouldn't be ahead of the story. Right. You should be able to give a message, give your point of view while telling a complete story and that is the biggest flaw i felt with men that it it was giving a it was telling a story for the first two acts and then by the third act it was like i'm going to throw all that away and now i'm going to tell you my thoughts on men hence the title men so that was my biggest issue with the film uh, that was also my first gut issue with the film that when I left the theater I kept th- I the first thing that went through my head was so what so what did she learn
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know i I don't know if you agree with me or not on that see
1: so what I'll say and I'll just give some perspective on the things you've just covered there as best I can but what I would say is for any movies that get surreal or use dream logic for me it works until it doesn't there are a ton of movies where it does not work but then i always think of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where it is literally dream logic and it works very well but in this case it unfortunately leaves you wanting more and not in the good way you you want you want to, as you said, you want to understand her motivation, not her motivations. You want to understand, well, did she get closure? What did she learn? And you just don't feel that. like, Because that's the thing is, this movie decides to deliver more on emotional payout rather than literal story payout. But when you don't feel the same emotional payout, you just leave thinking, well, what the fuck? What, what the fuck? At the end of the day.
0: Exactly. And... I think the, and listen, I'm not one to be like, oh, Alex Garland, you're not a good writer. Like, for God's oh, sakes. No, no, one's,
1: no, one's, n- not, no one in this podcast is saying that in the slightest.
0: Yeah, no, like, for God's sakes, the man's been, in, been making compelling cinema for at least, like, what, the past 20 years, at least? He's been
1: involved um, in major ways for the past 20 years, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the, but the thing is, is that a lot of times, Writers, and I say that as a guy who dabbles in writing. When we write, you know, we, we kind of have all these inside context, right? In our head, where we write something and we know the context of it. But we may not have necessarily communicated that context to the reader. And every writer's guilty of this, to be every, clear. Every writer's guilty of this. And that, that's why I feel like what happened with this film. Um, a lot of the symbolism... You know, and here's the thing with films like this, you get symbolism that is obvious or symbolism that is reasonable. But then sometimes you just get interpretations that are just totally out of left field where you're like, what? Where did you see that? I I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. And I feel this is going to be a film that that is going to be uh, subjected to that, where people are going to make interpretations that you're like, well... This meant that that meant this, and I'm so sorry that we're being so vague about it. But you know, the, this film, the nature of this film is one that like, like going into specifics might ruin the experience. And here's the thing: while you might leave the film, you might leave the theater, or you might leave and watching the film with like, whoa, that was some crazy shit I saw. That that is still like a fun experience, right? Yeah, like like for for a certain movie watcher people enjoy having the whole what the fuck thing um so that's why we're not going into super specifics over the things we saw Mm -hmm. now now that being said um going back to the whole imagery and symbolism thing this is definitely like i said before this is definitely going to be a film that's going to be subjected to wild interpretations and you know when it- well, it's, it's like one thing I was saying earlier, how, you
1: know, you can get a case where you have an absolute sexist and a very, you know, strong feminist walk out of that movie and point at the poster and go, see, and that, that, that's, that's just how different of opinions are going to get on this.
0: Exactly. Like- exactly. And that comes from the, the fact that when you're like, when a writer and Alex Garland wrote this, and this wasn't an adaptation of anything, he straight up wrote this. Yeah. That happens when a writer goes, "Oh well, I I obviously know what this means," but then a reader might go like, well, "I don't I don't know what what that means. What is that?" What or the reader will be
1: like, "That's not my experience of what
0: you're saying." Exactly, exactly. Um. Uh, so yeah, the I I would say our biggest issue with the film is that it is not, uh, it does not give closure on a story level. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you you will understand. You, you more than likely are going to get the message, but you're going to be like, well, that story just kind of stopped halfway and it went to like this weird place. And then it just kind of ends. And that's not helped by the fact that, you know, again, this is a relatively short movie. It's only 100 minutes. So, you know, even though you perceive it as really moving slow, those minutes are whittling down. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually you're like, oh, shit, I'm in the third act already. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck all this weird shit. I am so confused. Well, that's now.
1: another thing I want to add is that I'm convinced it has four acts even though I'm sure he wrote it with a three-act structure and I know Alex Garland is more than capable of writing it in a three-act structure, but the third act is so strange that it has almost these two parts to it. Cuz like you think you think the third act is about to end. Like you do, you you can't picture how, but you you feel a conclusion coming and then it keeps going for way longer than you expect that's that's what's weird it's like it just goes on and on and on and then literally the and i'm sorry if this is a slight spoiler but this is i won't say what happens but the credits roll and then there's like another scene it's like and not like at the end of the credits like just a couple of credits roll and then they have another scene play and then it's like so is that the closure it's like it's very weird like the really the third act just drags and drags and drags in the strangest way and that's and that's why I'm partially convinced it has four acts, but I can't I can't
0: literally prove it. No, you're you're totally right in that regard. See, now, um, kind of moving away from the story or, or lack of story. Okay, we uh, can't say
1: it doesn't have a story. It has it, a story. It,
0: it has a story, but it, it's a flawed story. It's a story with no with no ending. It's it's an unbalanced sto- yeah, story. Yeah, that that's actually a better way to put it. See, it's a it's an unbalanced story. So putting that aside, uh, the performances in this film are great across the board
1: they're fantastic uh
0: jesse buckley who i was introduced to in her supporting role in the tv show uh chernobyl was this is some really really strong work from her uh it seems that It seems that she's been in that, she's in that place in her career where she can't, she, she only hits home runs. She did
1: this amazing uh, Irish movie a while back. I think it's called either Beast or Monster. I could be, I think it's Beast, um, where she plays. And I think this is why actually Alex, I think this is why Alex Garland picked her. She's in this weird abusive relationship um, in the movie. And this was like her debut and she's fantastic in it. Really amazing.
0: Yeah, this this is some really strong work from her. Um, so if, if you've seen if you've seen the trailer, which you just watched with or you just listened with us, uh the setup of the movie is that this woman goes to the countryside to uh to kind of get over her grief over the death of, of her husband, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I must say the trailer implies a couple things that turn out not to be true when you watch the movie proper, mm-hmm. or it adds more context. Uh, to what's going on with her, and I must say, uh, what we're shown, like what we're shown, like in her backstory or prologue, if you want to call it, that to me was the most compelling part of the film. Oh, it, it was, was it was intense, and and it, and
1: it was perfectly executed.
0: Yeah, and uh, a lot of that had to do with uh, Jesse Buckley, who is really like giving a very very strong performance in in. I guess you would say this prologue setup scene where I'm like, wow, this is bold. This is compelling. And this is probably some of the best uh, acting direction that Alex Garland has done for for me, for yeah. me personally. I
1: also want to add, without saying what happens, but for me, the moment that hits you is something happens and she just says, and this, I, this, I, I apologize. If this This can't be too much of a spoiler. I hope not. She just says, what was that? Your way to win me back? It's like that just hits you so hard yeah. in such a crazy way. Yeah, it's and, so good.
0: And listen, I know the movie bills itself as just like a a, a two actor vehicle with Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. Uh, the actor who plays uh, Jesse Buckley's husband, who you do see in the trailer, uh, Papa Essidio, like he was very compelling on screen. He was he fantastic. Was, he was giving blow for blow match for match like line for line as much energy as much like intensity as jesse buckley was like mm-hmm. this was a guy that when he like when he was on screen i was just thinking to myself like holy fuck this 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 like and again this is this is again the kind of the prologue a uh, backstory part of the film where where normally you know it's it's when would you ever say that the the backstory scenes, the prologue scenes are the strongest part of a movie?
1: Well, like, that does go to show you... that, And this, this is what made watching this movie so tough, is when those moments happen, you're reminded of how great a writer Alex Garland really is. Because it's like, oh shit, not only the performance is great, but the dialogue happening here is fantastic.
0: Like, in yeah, every way. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's... Yeah, and he is the The actor who played her husband is so good that you know I'll be interested. He's gonna be a name I'm gonna pay attention to from now on. Oh, absolutely. Now, now, the actual second lead, right, of this picture, Roy Kinnear. Uh, he, um, he plays all the men in the village, but primarily he plays, uh, the owner of kind of the the bed and, or kind of the cottage she's staying in, mm-hmm. Joffrey. Uh, he. <laughs> I, I gotta say, Roy Kinnear, he gives a hundred and ten percent in this
1: movie. First of all,
0: yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, he basically is playing the heavy, in in the sense of like he's playing kind of, I guess you would say, the monster, the the slasher, you know, that mm-hmm. type of character in this type of movie. And like I said, he gives it a hundred and like C said, he gives it a hundred and ten percent. Um, He does some crazy bold things with his performances Mm -hmm. um, and they are so different from each other, right? Like
1: regardless of what we end up saying about this movie, he should be proud of what he did. Actually everyone in this movie, all the actors, regardless of what we say about this movie, they should be proud of what they did in it.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah. Uh, Roy Kinnear again, I've, uh, I think I've only seen him in the Daniel Craig Bond movies. I, I've never actually. I know he's more famous for like his episode of Black Mirror. I've never seen it. I have. Um, it's it's something but else. From a guy that I was like, oh yeah, he's kind of like a background character, and then seeing just the range of crazy stuff he can do, I was like, whoa, like whoa, right? Yeah. And 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 what I love about it is that, you know, when he plays the priest. It's a very specific type of priest. Mm-hmm. When he plays when he plays the 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 pub owner. It's a specific type of pub owner. Like, there's when he plays that's the
1: a cop. It's a super specific type of British cop that you find.
0: It, exactly, they're all so different. Like, for, and obviously the the character he plays for the most part is Joffrey the landlord.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: he plays him as a like this old school British farmer type dude, right? And mm. and. I'll be honest. He was also kind of the only source of kind of light comedic relief in the movie. <laughs> and, and you know, sometimes with films like this, when they, be, when they try to do this whole, like, well, let's tell a joke to kind of lighten the mood. It, it, it can like derail the film. Mm-hmm. He never derailed the film. Like with his little quips, he never derailed it. Right. It was always just enough that you can like, okay, I can relax a little bit and, and then, you know, all the crazy fucked up shit would happen again. Um, he plays, he also plays like a little boy in this. Yeah. And my understanding is, is that they did the whole like Captain America thing, you know, where they just transposed his head on a young kid's body. Mm. And that's the weakest part of the film in terms of visual effects. Yeah,
1: you can tell it's a visual effect, unfortunately. it's You look at it and you're like, there's no, because how could they transpose? put a put an adult's face in a child's body without you being able to see that that's an effect
0: yeah exactly but and again you know it's it's the one of those things where where it I, I, I they used it to their advantage by making the kids super creepy yeah. right um, but yeah no the performances in this are amazing and it's also it's still frustrating though that you you watch this the performances are great the technical aspects amazing uh, the the whole old man's face on a young kid's body visual effect notwithstanding, mm-hmm. and then it's all just dragged down by a story that has no closure, and just these crazy images on the screen that you're like, I know what you're trying to say, but I feel like you're just beating me on the head with it, and you're you're to the movie's detriment. I wish you would stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see, performances, what else, else, is there anything else you'd like to bring up about this film, C?
1: So, for me, I have to admit I was kind of excited about this movie, I thought it was going to be really interesting, and all that, I just, I guess, here's the thing, oh, I'll get back to that. After I walked away from this movie, I kept getting a little bit of feeling of deja vu, and it was bothering me. I couldn't figure out like why, where have I experienced this? I've been here, I've this has happened to me before. And then I finally figured it out. Guys, if you've seen Mother, you're gonna get a similar experience. Again, it has a different story to be clear, but the way it delivers its message is very similar to Mother, very similar. And mm. it also has a similar dynamic too, because at the end of the day, while mother, it's very much focused on these two people and both are focused on two people. So if you're wondering like, should I see this movie or not? Did you or did you not like mother? That's a pretty good gauge on how you're gonna feel about this movie. Now again, the message is very different and the, the, there, there, there just are many different aspects of this move of those two movies, but the delivery is the same. It's like when you're trying to figure out how you want a package from another country to be delivered, you're choosing the same delivery service at the end of the day. So that's something I want to make clear to anybody listening is like if you're just because I realized our, our this episode, we've been like disappointed and then like gushing over it at the same time. And but only in very specific ways. So to be clear, did you like Mother? Me? Now you'll know if you like this.
0: Oh, I I thought I thought you were talking to me. Whether I liked Mother, I I I, I respect Mother. <laughs> How's that sound? Like,
1: that's, so first of all, Al, you may as you may know or remember, you and I saw saw Mother as well together uh, with some friends of ours, um, and all four of us had a very different reaction to it.
0: Now it, it's interesting. The one thing I will say about Mother is that. It had a lot of symbolism. It had a very, very explicit message.
1: Oh, sorry. We're talking about the. uh, There are two Mother movies out there. We're talking about the one starring uh, Jennifer Lawrence, directed by Darren Aronofsky, came
0: out in 2017.
1: That's the one we're talking about, not the Bong Joon Ho
0: one. Exactly. Um, So, Mother had crazy symbolism, crazy imagery, uh, a very, very blunt message. Mm hmm. But you know what else it had It had a coherent story in the sense of okay, this is about a married couple who who are trying to start a family but all these all these like interlopers are getting in the way of that right mm. and and how the issue is resolved right And again, it's all it still follows dream logic. Mm-hmm. but you know what it's consistent. And if you still, you always know what the story is, but right?
1: both movies are intentionally being evocative.
0: So again, a coherent story, and that's all I ask for, honestly, from a film. Is if you're going to tell me a story, make sure it's a little coherent. I would think you would agree with that, will not you? See,
1: I certainly do. Um, you gotta, you gotta be able to follow the through line it's given you.
0: Exactly, and and he, here's the thing: this, the cinematography in in men is gorgeous. Uh, Jesse Buckley gives a really, really great performance. Like the type where you're like, Oh, this is like, like her ceiling or her floor of talent is higher than a lot of people's ceiling for talent. Yeah. A- and, and again, that, that makes her one of the exciting actors working today. Roy Kinnear. He's again, I I've barely seen him in stuff. Only the James Bond movie season. in. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, this guy has range and the dedication to go into crazy, crazy, crazy places. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but again, if you're the type of person who, you know, you don't, you know, you know, seeing crazy shit isn't a priority for you. Like, mm-hmm. that's not the one thing. Like, for instance, a lot of people like uh, David Cronenberg. They like uh, David Lynch because these are directors who will put something absolutely bonkers on the screen and people eat that up. They're like, Oh man, no one else would do something like that. And in fact, I'm thinking about a film we reviewed earlier this year, uh, see called everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And that movie definitely did this whole thing of showing crazy shit on the screen, the crazier, the better. Now it's nowhere near as grotesque as what we see in men, as what we see in a David Cronenberg film or a David Lynch film, but it's still crazy shit. And I would, I would gander to say that a lot of people who are fans fan of these two directors, uh, the Daniels, they watch their films just because they like seeing crazy shit on a big screen. Yeah. And that's fine. That's totally fine. That's a valid, valid reason to watch a movie. But if you watched everything everywhere all at once... And you were like, "Uh, the story was lacking or the story was one that I've seen before. You know, where you're not hooked on the imagery, where you're not hooked on just the blatantly out there things you see in the frame. Then maybe something like men isn't going to be for you. Mm -hmm. And maybe something like men is definitely not going to be something that you're going to feel happy that you saw it in theaters. Yeah. So I'm going to give it. It's a bonkers movie. It's, you know, it's uh, definitely bonkers and it's definitely a movie, but you don't need to see this in theaters. You can wait for this to come out on Hulu and you can watch it. And, you know, maybe you watch it on Halloween. You watch it on International Women's Day.
1: Stop. Jesus, <laughs> man. Oh you, my God. You,
0: you watch it. You watch it like... High or something?
1: Oh no, this is an amazing movie to watch high. Uh, let me—that's actually a good idea.
0: Um, but you know, you feel to yourself like, wow, that was crazy. But I'm really glad I didn't pay for that. You know, whereas if you watch this on the big screen in the theater with popcorn and a drink, you're gonna walk out and be like, "Well, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. The fuck? I could have watched the Multiverse of Madness again <laughs> for like the eleventh time." <laughs> So, yeah, for me, for me, this is this is a bonkers movie. You know, it's 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 listen, it is technically excellent. The performances are incredible all across the board, but nothing in this film justifies paying money to see it going into a movie theater, sitting down, spending 100 minutes and leaving very unsatisfied because, listen, as as human beings, we love storytelling, but it really bugs us when a story feels incomplete. And that's just my biggest issue with this film was that the story just felt incomplete. There was I felt like there was no closure. And ultimately, if I don't feel closure when I leave a movie theater, I, I get annoyed, like visibly annoyed. And that's what this movie did to me.
1: Yeah. I, so for me, and I'm not too far off from you, Al. Uh, for me, it's a movie because as you said, the acting is fantastic, the cinematography is gorgeous, and it is certainly competently made from a very talented writer and very good uh, director. But um, is this movie bonkers? Yes, it is bonkers, but I've seen crazier movies than this, Um, and I've seen more graphic movies than this, even a few movies that are more graphic that I have enjoyed more. For me, what this is, is this movie it's just so unbalanced. That's the problem. It's just you're like watching, and it's like it's like watching a guy on a tight on a tightrope, and they're about to fall, but they're not. And you either want them to make it across, or you want them to fall. And To be clear, obviously, if that was actually happening, I'd hope the tightrope walker would be caught in a net and be okay, obviously. But you know what I mean? It's like, you just want one or the other to happen and neither does, so you're just watching this imbalance happen the whole time. And that's, for me, what it is. It's a movie, but it's an imbalanced movie. And so you don't need to see this in theaters. Watch it when you're high, watch it on Halloween, although this isn't really a Halloween-type movie, but watch it then if you want to.
0: I I say it's not a Halloween type movie. It's just that, you know, there are scenes, especially there's a scene where uh, Jesse Buckley's character is working from home. That had probably for me the best, like, scare level out of the entire film. Mm -hmm. Right. You're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. And it's that scene that was the perfect balance of, like, storytelling and just out there imagery. And, you know, and, you know, I I just wish the uh, the rest of the movie was like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts on this film?
0: I, I, I do not. You know, I, I guess that's the end of this review. So, yeah, this is What Do You Think? And I'm Al. I'm C. Later, everybody. Good night.